He certainly wasn't the best player on the 2022 Orioles, but maybe the most exciting to watch was Jorge Mateo. And today we're going to break down his 2022 season, talk about the highs, talk about the lows, and try to figure out what the O's will do with him heading into 2023. That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And today I am joined by Zach Goodman. He is the co-host of the Bat Around over at Pressbox with Paul Valley, who joined us last week to talk about Ryan Mountcastle. But Zach is here with us today to talk about Jorge Mateo. And Zach, first of all, thanks for jumping on the podcast. You ended up getting first dibs when I sent out some feelers on you know who wanted who in this uh, in this situation, and you picked Mateo. And I actually got you know from people I asked after you a lot of first choice as Mateo. Really, I think he's just pretty polarizing, and people want to talk about him. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I looked at, of course, the Adley Rutschmans of the world and the Gunnar Hendersons of the world. I don't want to talk about that because they're so everything's been publicized with what they've done, and they're you know they're they're their own players and they're incredible. But I want to talk about a guy maybe who doesn't get as much media attention, who doesn't get as much uh, recognition. So he's a guy who you know, frankly, had a pretty good season. And there's a, of course, we're going to talk about the ups and downs here, but um, he's a guy who's pretty interesting and I, I really wanted to, to kind of go with him and, and just talk about why he's probably the most electric but also most interesting piece of this Orioles team yeah it's it's going to be a fun conversation let's just start with the basics Jorge Mateo's 2022 season as a whole in his age 27 season his first full season with the Orioles after the O's of course claimed him off waivers from the Padres in the middle of last year and this year for the Orioles 150 games 533 plate appearances, and he really was not injured. Those were basically just 12 off days that he took this year. 13 home runs on the season. He led the American League with 35 stolen bases. He hit 221 with a 267 on base and a 379 slugging, good for an 82 WRC plus. And his defense at shortstop, one of the best in the business. I would not be surprised to see him be an AL Gold Glove Award finalist at shortstop. And yeah. I really think either him or Jeremy Pena is going to be the winner of that award. And that helped him do a 2.8 war, according to fan graphs. Now, here's where I want to start. Let's just start with the things we knew Jorge Mateo was going to do this year. And let's start with the stolen bases. 35 bags. He leads the league, beats out his teammate Cedric Mullins with 34. Just kind of in a big picture thing, this is not the Buck Showalter Orioles. It was fun to see the O's have the top two guys in steals in the American League. Yeah. And you felt like if Jorge Mateo could just get himself to first base, it felt like all year he'd eventually be on second. Yeah, I mean, that's something that everyone said with Mateo is that, you know, you can steal as many bases as you want, but you've got to get on base to steal a base. So that's the biggest thing. And he's a guy who, frankly, doesn't get on base a ton, but when he does, he capitalizes on it um, and can get you a second or third. And and that's, you know, putting a runner in scoring position autom almost automatically. You know, he doesn't have to hit a double or a triple because he gets a single and just gets the second or third automatically. And that's, that's important. And that's something that creates runs for the team. And that's why I think, frankly, um, the stolen bases are a big part of that 2.8 war you mentioned. Um, you look at 2.8 war and maybe you go, hey, um, you know, that's that's 
not, maybe not what I would expect um, for a starting shortstop in the American League. Maybe that's lower than you think. Maybe that's higher. But frankly, um, a, a lot of that's probably coming from, again, just being able to create runs and getting on second or third, uh, you know, after hitting a single basically every single time. And that's where the electricity comes from um, with a guy like this. And that's why he's so, I think, so uh, important and also interesting to this team because he brings that, you know, kind of role where I don't really think there's another player in the league that does that. Yeah, and it's something we'll get to later in this episode, but it's also what could just continue to keep him in the big leagues, even if yeah. the bat goes right. south. And the other thing that's going to keep him in the bigs that we saw this year is the defense. Now, we knew he could be flashy. I think we saw that from last year. Yeah. But I don't think Orioles fans were sure where he was going to play. When he was in San Diego, they tried him in the outfield. He played a little shortstop. He played some second base. You know, he played some second base with the Orioles at points last year before he had the injury and kind of missed the final month and change of the season in 2021. And I, going into the season, I'll admit it, on season preview episodes, like I was fully invested in Jorge Mateo being on this roster. I was excited after the, the you know, the year he had in Baltimore last year. But I thought second base, maybe a little outfield shortstop if they need it. But I was not convinced he was an everyday shortstop. Right. And he was an everyday shortstop for a winning baseball team. And he could win a gold glove. Just what did you see from him at that position? Because the flashy plays were there. The consistent plays got better and better. And, you know, he's not J.J. Hardy. They're very different shortstops. They're both maybe gold glovers, but they're very different. But the O's had a flashy, big play shortstop who just kind of vacuumed up everything this year. Yeah, frankly, you're right. I mean, there, this is a guy who was talked about, um, you know, as a center fielder or um, a second baseman. And I remember in the short stint he had last year with the Orioles that there was a lot of questions and uncertainty about where he'd be. You know, there was the question, can he play shortstop at a major league level? That was a huge thing. Does he have the arm strength for it? Um, does he have the glove for it? I don't think anyone's questioning the range. And that's where the speed comes in again. This guy can move laterally um, better than probably any shortstop in baseball right now because of the speed, because of that agility. He's a quick twitch guy um can just move any way he wants immediately and, and reads the ball very well off the bat um and, and frankly what surprised me was the glove i thought it was very sound um on ground balls because that's something we hadn't seen him be incredibly sound at um in 2021 he comes out in 2022 and to me looked a lot better better with the glove the range of course plays into that but he's a guy who very much surprised me because I again I didn't know where he was going to play I thought sure he could play second base um I didn't really see him as an outfielder because the Orioles are so crowded out there I figured he'd stick in the infield but I figured as well if that defense didn't work um then he wouldn't stick with the team for very long because defense is going to be a big part of a guy's game who really gets on base and under a 300 clip so that the defense has to be good and it was really good and like you said he's contending for a gold glove this year that's a big step for a guy who just last year talked about being in center field yeah and, and it's going to be a travesty if he's not a finalist i won't say it's a travesty if he doesn't win it helps that pena is a better hitter he's also on a better right. team that always helps with those gold gloves but i mean jorge mateo 14 defensive runs saved at shortstop this year, 11 outs above average. I mean, those are both elite, elite numbers among the sure. top 10 of all MLB shortstops in both of those numbers. He made the great play. He made the easy play pretty much every single time he was out there, and it was awesome to see. But those are the two things that make Jorge Mateo great. And even if the other tools aren't always there, those are things that are going to keep him on an MLB roster for a while, the defense at shortstop and the elite speed. But coming up next, we're going to talk about the thing that I think really makes Jorge Mateo interesting. When he gets hot at the plate, when he gets ice cold at the plate, and can he find some sort of medium to help this Orioles team moving forward? 
So we'll get back to talk about Jorge Mateo's roller coaster, but very exciting 2022 season with the Orioles in just a second. But first, got to tell you about betonline.net, your number one source for all your Major League Baseball postseason betting action this year. We got the championship series coming up. We got some good matchups ready, including a really fun one in the National League between the Padres and the Phillies. And you can get all the lines, all the odds, everything you need to be a baseball better over at betonline.net. But of course, it's not just baseball. They've got the NFL season, all the props, lines, odds from every single NFL game this year and college football on Saturday as well. You can get it all at betonline.net. All your sports, all your lines, all your odds, live betting, up-to-the-minute scores, news, podcasts, articles, analysis, everything. So head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. So we're here with Zach Goodman of the Bat Around, talking Jorge Mateo in his 2022 season with the Baltimore Orioles. And Zach, we've talked about the glove. We've talked about the speed. It's going to be there. You know, when, whenever Jorge Mateo takes the field, it's what I think is going to keep him at the very least on this Orioles roster heading into next year, even if they really add in that infield, whether it be prospects or free agent signings. But now we get to Mateo's bat, and it was quite a roller coaster season. I mentioned the stats an 82 WRC plus means he finished the year 18% worse than a league average hitter at the plate. He hit 221. The power was there in spurts. And you can certainly see when he connects, he can hit the ball out of the ballpark. He did have 13 home runs as an everyday player, but what a weird season it was because you look through the season in, in waves and he was bad in April. He was okay in May. He was maybe the worst hitter in all of baseball in June. Like he was putting up Chris yeah. Davis level numbers in June, July. He was good. August. He was one of the best hitters in baseball. And then September, he went back to being one of the worst hitters in baseball. How do you like get this season through your mind to evaluate Jorge Mateo? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you've got to take the highs and then combine them with the lows and kind of find a median, I guess, with it, because it's 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 interesting. That's the best word for it, I guess. Um, you know, the Orioles are such a big team when it comes to swing decisions. That's been something they've really focused on, especially when you look at the draft and the way they've drafted and then the acquisitions they've made, you know, through the waiver claims and through free agent signings, um, except Rugnetador. He doesn't really count there um, because he's more of a bridge player, I think. But when you look at what they've done there, um, swing decisions have been a really big thing. And Jorge Mateo is a guy who, like Ryan Malcastle and Austin Hayes, he shares that free swinger philosophy where he's going to go up there and he's going to swing it basically most of the pitches anywhere close to the zone, even if they're not, you know, even if they're um, not the most quality pitch coming out of a pitcher's hand. So he's going to chase sliders. He's going to chase curveballs. Um, a lot of fastballs up in the zone as well, similar to what Austin Hayes does. And I see that as a problem. And that's one of the big things I noticed early on in the season um, that could hinder him in, in having a actual, you know, good season down the line. And he ended up with a 267 on base percentage. And I think a lot of that comes from number one, the inability to walk because of these swing decisions but also the inability to just put the ball in play because he's swinging at things that really shouldn't be swung at. And I think the swing decisions, again, are really the most important part of what makes up Jorge Mateo. And sure, he's got a little bit of power. Um, the contact really isn't there. He strikes out a lot, doesn't walk a ton. The offensive profile is one that you honestly don't see with a ton of shortstops. There's not a lot of power first guys um, with very, very little contact ability and, and very little on base ability in, in the American League right now. But he's certainly one of them, and it's kind of unique. 
And it's, it's led him to kind of struggle. And 267 for me is not good enough. You know, I, I don't care about the really good August, frankly, because again, 267, when it comes to taking the whole season and putting it into a, a, a broader perspective, it's just not good enough for the Orioles. Yeah, he also kind of changes the mold of shortstops when you think about it. Because when you think about a speedy, elite defensive shortstop, they fall into one of two categories historically. Can't hit at all, only in the big leagues for their glove, or right. can hit but hits for average. Hits 280, 290, hits you five home runs. Exactly. Corey yeah. Mateo hit 13 homers. He strikes out a ton. He certainly does not hit for average. And no. so it, it it's kind of breaking the mold, which I know a lot of players in Major League Baseball in 2022 are obviously breaking a lot of player molds. But you look at, at what he did this year and another interesting stat from his season. I mean, he was better against righties than he was against lefties this year, which kind of happened for the entire Orioles lineup at times as well, which was sure. some of their issues. But it's a high strikeout rate like you talked about. It's a, it's a low walk rate like you talked about. And the 13 home runs made it better to watch. And when he got hot, I mean, it's so fun because if he can hit the ball into the gap, he's on third base right. a good amount. And even if he, especially if he's playing in an Oriole park with, you know, the wall moved back, it allows for more triples for a guy like him. He just puts the ball in play. His speed makes a difference. So I know right. we've touched on it a little bit, but you know, how much more does he have to put, just put the ball in play? How much does he have to cut that strikeout rate to get to a point where we feel comfortable with him as an everyday player? I mean, I would say a considerable amount. Right. I mean, I, I think, to, again, I talk about that OBP and being 267. I think that needs to come up considerably for me to consider him an everyday player. And the strikeouts need to come down considerably. Um, and the walk rate needs to go up considerably. It's For me, it's not even so much about putting the ball in play. It's just having better at-bats and making sure that he gives himself the ability to put the ball in play or the ability to walk. Um, because those are you know such important things, especially when it comes to the Orioles regime, what they look for in guys. Um, so, you know, cutting that strikeout rate, getting on base more, these are going to be things that are going to make him a starting player because right now I, I don't think regardless of that 2.8 war, that's actually a pretty solid number. When you look at it, I don't know if he's cemented himself as any kind of starting player. Um, you know, maybe if the numbers were a little bit different where the on-base percentage was about 315, 316, somewhere in that area, um, I'd feel a little more comfortable, but down at 267 and the way he strikes out, it's, it's hard to say, man, this guy is penciled in as the starting shortstop for the 23 Orioles because there's just too many deficiencies in his game at the moment that I'm not sure I see getting worked out quickly. Um, and I'm not sure he can ever change them. I mean, we saw Adam Jones in, in, in Baltimore for so many years um, have a relatively low on base percentage because he struck out a lot. He was a free swinger, just like Mateo is. Uh, we've seen Austin Hayes have a low on base percentage because of the same thing. Ryan Malcastle in the same way. So it's not something that I think really ever leaves a guy, you know, the free swinging mentality. So I, I hope that he's able to, um, you know, change that and get better at that. But I don't know if it's something that's going to fix itself by next year. Yeah. And, and the question is, is also kind of, can you become Adam Jones? Cause he was one of the best pure hitters as a free swinger that I've seen right. in a yeah. while. You know, he was an interesting combination where he couldn't lay off a breaking ball down in the way, but he was going to beat anything else that you right. threw him. And, yeah. you know, Ken Mateo is not going to be Adam Jones at the plate ever. Let's just put that yeah. out there. But, you know, can he have some better decisions, as you said? And coming up next, we'll finish things off with Jorge Mateo and really look into next year, because this is the big question. Where does he fall in to this Orioles team? So we're back here with Zach Goodman talking about Jorge Mateo's roller coaster. Interesting, somewhat surprising maybe disappointing at times when it was really bad 2022 season 
for the Orioles. And I had a couple more stats to just kind of throw out here. And these aren't super surprising stats because everybody in baseball generally hits worse with two strikes. But Jorge Mateo, when he gets to two strikes, just basically becomes like the worst hitter in baseball. But when he <laughs> attacks, even if it's a 1-1 count, even if it's a you know a 1-0 count, he is a very useful player. I mean, just on 1-0 counts, you know, a 117 WRC plus, just on 2-1 counts, a 145 WRC plus. Yeah. Then when he's got two strikes on him, he's hitting about 100 and he strikes out 50% of the time once he gets to two strikes. So all you got to do is maybe get a fastball by Jorge Mateo and you're basically set as a pitcher. So you're hoping maybe, you know, he he starts to go after, you know, that first strike that he sees and, and we'll see how things change for him moving into next year. But that's really the big question because right now, if the Orioles roster does not change at all, Jorge Mateo starts at shortstop. Yes. on opening day, probably Gunnar Henderson at third. And then you're trying out a couple different guys. Maybe Jordan Westberg is your second baseman. We'll see. But I would think, and I would hope that the Orioles are going to add to this infield because it was a disappointing year. You know, Mateo had his ups and downs. I think Ramona Rios really kind of disappointed people across the board this year. He disappeared, frankly. Yeah, he, he really did. And I think he, he went a step down from, you know, where we kind of thought of him in the Orioles' future plans. And Mateo maybe took some of that spot this season. But when you look back, at 2021 for Jorge Mateo, I mean, he got injured and he missed you know, the last month of the season, but we felt really, really good about him coming into this year. I mean, he had a 102 WRC plus with the Orioles after he came over from San Diego. And we looked at a guy who hit 280 with the O's in 116 plate appearances, got on base at a 328 clip. And we said, with this speed, if he can play a little defense, which he did, they really found something here. And of course, the average dropped and the on-base dropped with, you know, five times almost the plate appearances, which is going to happen. Small sample sizes will hit you. But right now, you know, you have to factor in who's going to be added. Would the O's go get a Correa, a Trey Turner? Or will it be more guys on the margins to help the infield, a Jace Peterson type player to come in and help them out? First of all, let's let's answer this question first. Do you see any scenario where Jorge Mateo is not on the Orioles opening day roster besides an injury? Yeah, I think that's unlikely. I, I think he's going to be in Baltimore. I, I would be very surprised. Um, so I'll let you ask your, you know, ask your second question. But I, I would be very, very surprised if he wasn't here. Yeah, I agree. I think unless he's injured, obviously. I think even if they go big and sign a couple guys, he's just so valuable defensively as even a pinch runner. He's got a little versatility, could play the outfield maybe, although I don't think they'd stick him out there. But he's going to be on this team. But the next question is, does he start the year as the opening day shortstop and as the starting shortstop, like he finished this year for the Orioles. Yeah, I would call this more the Jordan Westberg question. I think it's a lot about him. It's going to be, you know, what do the Orioles do in the offseason with, you know, number one, developing Jordan Westberg and what he does in spring training and how he proves himself. But also number two, um, with Carlos Correa and Trey Turner and some of the higher profile free agents that are out there. I don't see Trey Turner becoming an Oriole. I would doubt that. He's going to be, especially after the postseason he's having at the moment, going to be a really high ticket free agent, a guy that gets a ton of money and probably a lot more than the Orioles will be willing to dish out. I, I think Carlos Correa, there's a chance there, you know, given the Michael Elias connection, given everything we've heard in the past year and a half about Carlos Correa, it could certainly happen and I wouldn't be shocked. But given that they don't sign a free agent and the fact that you have a guy like Jordan Westberg, you know, kind of waiting in the wings and then Joey Ortiz, who I want to touch on in a second. 
You have options. You you do. Uh, but I, I would think Mateo starts the year as the starting shortstop and Jordan Westberg comes and replaces him um, within a, a very small time period. I wouldn't think it'd be very long before Jordan Westberg takes over. But for Joey Ortiz, I think if you're complaining about Mateo and saying, and this goes for a lot of fans that I've seen on, on Twitter and everything, if you're complaining about Mateo and saying, okay, he doesn't get on base enough, the defense is great, I like the speed, but he just doesn't hit well enough for me. I don't think Joey Ortiz is going to be your guy either because that's, I mean, he's going to hit for a little better average than uh, Jorge Mateo for the most part, but I wouldn't say he's going to get on base at that much better of a clip, and he certainly isn't going to hit for more power than Mateo is. So I don't really know if Joey Ortiz is your guy, but Jordan Westberg, he may be. He may be. I think – even continuing going forward, Jorge Mateo has a higher ceiling than Joey Ortiz. Or Mateo was a former Agreed. top prospect in the Yankee system. I mean, he yeah. was highly regarded when he was in the Padres system as well. And so, you know, because of all these tools that he had, he had the power, he had the speed, he had the defense. They were just like, can he get himself on base? Can he stop swinging at right. every breaking ball out of the zone? He helped it a little bit to get to the big leagues and get a starting shortstop job. Not enough to probably sustain that job on a good team. So this is kind of, where we finish up because I think if it's not the big addition, if it's not the Correa, if it's not the Xander Bogarts or whomever, Mateo will be on the team certainly. And I think even if Westberg is here on opening day, there's still a chance where, you know, it looks like Henderson, Mateo, Westberg, and you, you even still kind of have a DH spot potentially open there. If you signed right. a, a different hitter, a non, you know, a non infield guy uh, to, to join the team and, and DH. But the question kind of becomes, do you think it would be, a big Westberg spring training plus a signing of Correa. Is that the thing that sends Mateo to the bench immediately? Because I could see a scenario where, as you talked about, he's the opening day shortstop, but by the end of the year, it's maybe not his job. Do you think those two things together would be what sent him to the bench from opening day? Yeah, that would be tough. Um, you know, adding really two infielders that are you hope Jordan Westberg is going to be of high quality, but certainly Carlos Correa or someone of his stature would be. You're adding two guys that you're going to want to play, and they're, you're going to you're not bringing up Jordan Westberg to sit him on the bench. That's not the Michael Elias way. That's not what he's going to do. And of course, you're not going to sign Carlos Correa to sit him on the bench. So someone you know naturally has to go there and has to be the, and uh, and fill that role. I think it's a really tough sell to say to Jorge Mateo, "Hey, you just played you know almost the entire season for us." Now go sit on the bench and be a guy who plays twice a week. I think that's a really tough sell. And maybe you can fit him into the outfield. Maybe he becomes your fourth outfielder. Maybe you say Ryan McKenna isn't the guy. Let's let Jorge Mateo patrol center field when Cedric Mullins isn't playing. Maybe that's the option you take. But I think that's a really tough sell to a guy who's, who's been a starter um, now for an entire season. And again, put up 2.8 war, which is pretty respectable until you dig into it a little bit more. So I, I think that's I, I really think if they add both of those guys, it's going to be really tough. So let's finish with the optimism meter. Jorge Mateo is the Orioles starting shortstop for the majority of 2023 because fill in the blank. I would say because he he gets on base at a 300 clipper better. That would be the way I, the only way I think he sticks through the entire season. That's it, it's it's kind of simple. It's not simple because it's going to take a lot of changes in his game. Right. But it's almost like the defense is there. You're going to steal bases. And you know what? The power is there where even if you're hitting 220, that's fine. Right. Can you get to 300 on base? Can exactly. you get to 310 on base? Then you become a guy who is floating around like a 100 WRC plus with that right. defense. Then, you know, you look at, at the teams in the playoffs right now, like the Houston Astros. I talked about Jeremy Pena. His defense has been elite. His offense has been very up and down this year, kind of similar to Mateo, just with better stretches. 
that guy, he's on a division winning team. I'd take that. I mean, there's teams around the league where not every position is dominant. Seattle Mariners having a great year. JP Crawford, not exactly the greatest hitter in the world, but can hold his own, can get on base a little bit and plays a really good shortstop. Can Mateo be that? That's kind of the question because look, if Mateo with better on base skills is hitting ninth, a team can still make the postseason a hundred percent, but it's gotta be just a little bit better. Yeah. And that 30 point jump in OBP, we talked about it at the beginning of the show that you look at what he does on the bases and the runs he's able to create by just getting a single or a walk. He can get to second or third basically automatically and get himself into scoring position. And that's a huge thing. And that's something that if he gets on base at a 300 clip, um, you're going to create runs just by doing that. So, and that's going to be a, a number of runs and that will help out his war. That'll help out a lot of other numbers in his game too. And it's going to make him a lot better and a, a much more viable starting option. Whether or not he makes that change, I think he's going to be on this Orioles team. It could be in a lesser role, but I think he plays the entire year with the O's next year just because there's so many things he does on the baseball field. And and it's electric when he does things well, when he hits, when he runs, when he fields. He's maybe the most fun player to watch on this team. And I do not, even if they bring in the big-name shortstop and Jordan Westberg is a stud, do not get rid of Jorge Mateo. I want this guy on this team, even if it's just a bench role for years to come because – there's a reason, Zach, why you got the, your pick of the litter and you chose Jorge Mateo to talk about this episode because he's he's fun to watch. And thanks so much for coming on to talk about him. Yeah, of course. Anytime, man. Um, it's he's a great he's a really fun player to watch. I really enjoyed it. I, I loved when, you know, they, they claimed him off waivers. I was really excited about that because there was so much untapped potential there. And I think we got a glimpse of what he can be this season. So hopefully he builds on it. That's he's going to have to come back and improve and win that job. Well said. That was Zach Goodman. We thank him so much for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow continuing our 2022 player review series for the Baltimore Orioles. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.